We all need content, but what does it take to produce content when you have no budget and no resources and no time? We're going to talk to Chris Moody about producing content with little budget. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Active Campaign. This is really my new go-to CRM, ESP, marketing automation, really low cost. Any size business can get into it, uh, starting at like 19 bucks a month. You can keep track of your clients. You can see who is visiting your website. You can follow up based on behavior. Check out Active Campaign. There'll be a link in the show notes, but it's ducttape.me slash DTM active. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Chris Moody. Among other things, he is the content marketing leader at GE Digital. So Chris, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, John. So, you know, most of my listeners, many of my listeners are small business owners or marketers uh, working with small business owners. And so um, let's set the, the table straight. I mean, I guess they're, we're thinking, you know, GE Digital, uh, you've got like, especially leader at GE Digital <laughs> with content, you've got unlimited resources uh, to uh, execute on content. But uh, tell me uh, what the reality is for uh, what it is that, you know, what, what does that look like for, for your, your role? Sure. And this role specifically, I, I the title is content marketing leader, but right now I'm an individual contributor. So that would be the first caveat to say, okay, there's some limited resources. <laughs> it's, uh, one guy trying to organize a lot of stuff around content marketing right now. Now there there are ways we work cross functionally and you know tie into other resources. But when I first started, I actually didn't have a budget. And this budget season, we will have some budget to put towards content marketing, but the challenges are extremely different. I mean, I came from an acquisition at Oracle, which was an Oracle marketing cloud, where I was running marketing for a content marketing startup. And we had quite a bit of budget to put towards content because that's what we were doing. We were marketing to marketers. And now at GE Digital, you know, we're trying to close million-dollar deals. So you don't really tweet your way to a million-dollar deal or blog your way to a million-dollar deal necessarily, which puts a different set of constraints around how we try to align marketing to actually driving revenue here. Well, let's let's start off by, and I know this is an impossible question, but at least from your point of view, you know, what is how, how do you define content? You know, when somebody said, when you tell people you're a content marketing leader, I'm sure they're like, what does that mean? You know, so how how do you define content, uh, or can you? Sure. I, I think, I mean, I always go to Joe Polizzi's definition when I have to define content, but just broadly, it's essentially everything that we do as marketers. And, and content marketing is used as a term to categorize a certain set of activities, but everything we do is a form of content. Every email that we send, every webinar that we do, every presentation that we create, um, all of this is content marketing. And, you know, that's one thing that I, it's not necessarily ebooks and white papers and blogs. It, it could be emails and turning your emails into a source of content. So I, I look at it in the broad sense of the word and say it's everything that we do. Everything is a source of content, whether we define it that way or not. Yeah, I have been for the last couple of years referring to content as the voice of strategy. 
Um, and I think that that, you know, that that's sufficiently broad <laughs> enough. Um, but but that's to me is what it really is based in. It's it's just the various ways in which you communicate uh, your overall marketing or business strategy. Right. I love that. So everybody needs content. I mean, you know, as we started talking, you know, it was fashionable five, six years ago to talk about content is king. And, you know, I talk, I talk about it as, you know, content is air. <laughs> now it is, you know, it pretty much powers every channel. Um, and, you know, so, but it's also hard and expensive. I mean, so, you know, what is, what is a person on a limited budget, you know, to do? I think the first step, and this is something that Mark has shared and has been saying all along, answer questions. For some reason, unbeknownst to me, FAQ pages have gradually disappeared from websites. And it became less fashionable to have frequently asked questions on your site. And I know that people turn each question into blog posts, which is definitely a best practice. But if you're not answering every single question that your customers and prospects have, and making that content available, someone else will. And the best educator wins, and that's something Marcus has preached. So that's the first thing. I mean, interview everyone you work with. Talk to sales. What are their most common objections? That's where I would start, just asking the questions. But a lot of it is philosophical in the mindset. I think as marketers, we become entranced with the next big thing and watching companies that do amazing content regardless of budget or resources right i mean we look up to linkedin and hubspot and some of the pioneers of inbound marketing and the great ebooks that they create and and sometimes that just doesn't work for your business and the approach of trying to hit a home run with everything that you create is one that gives me a lot of angst and drives me crazy because we are not all linkedin or hubspot And sometimes that won't even work as well as other things in your business. So keep a voice and ear to the ground and understand the the voice of your customer. What do they want? What questions are they trying to answer? And then you can figure out the best form factor for that piece of content. But that's really where everything starts. It's answering the questions of the people who can drive revenue for you. Yeah, and I think an, an, another thing that gets really lost in the conversation about, you know, more content is more content um, is that, you know, I think we have to get very good at figuring out what content we need for, you know, where the buyer is. And, you know, the, a lot of content like blog posts, you know, maybe are great for awareness, maybe for a little education. But we, you know, don't we have to actually think about all the intent for our content and, and create different forms of content for trust building and conversion and nurturing? And, and, and I think that's that conversation seems to get lost often in the. Uh, the idea of, of you know content just being blog posts. That's exactly right. And, and that's where my head is now at GE Digital. I mean, we have TV spots. Everyone knows General Electric. I mean, pretty much everyone in the world has heard of Thomas Edison. So it's a completely different set of problems and challenges and opportunities for me as a content marketer to say, okay, I'm not trying to tell everyone who GE is or even necessarily who GE Digital is. I'm trying to solve the problems of our customers and and what are those and how do we get content in front of them and how do we interact with sales to make sure that that's actually getting in front of the customers and how do we create a poll strategy for sales where they're looking for our content, not necessarily us sending that out to them. And, And this is a big thing at Oracle too. Marketing your marketing is something that no one really talks about. It's always, 
oh, what's your most popular blog post? Which for me, it's the blog post about getting sued over a blog post, which is a whole other rabbit hole we could go down. But it, I, I don't... I don't necessarily understand why so often we forget what is most important, and that is driving revenue. And it may have nothing to do with blog posts, depending on your business. And for me right now, my head is not around blog posts. My head is around, you know, how do we teach industrial manufacturing companies how they can optimize their productivity because a 1% improvement can be hundreds of millions of dollars. So how am I going to do that as a marketer? One of the other challenges I see a lot of companies uh, struggle with is, is, you know, content production is a pretty good sized job and yet they give it to, you know, one maybe part-time person in some cases. Um, How do you get, you know, and a lot of times that part-time person doesn't, you know, they don't have sales conversations or engineering conversations. And so, you know, they really, it's very difficult for them to even produce the content. So, you know, how do you make content everyone's job? I think your, your analogy, your metaphor earlier, you know, content is air. I think that's a perfect approach because I've always viewed it as kind of this glue or some type of material that transfers across everyone because the job of anyone in content is to figure out what challenges are there for their potential customers and how do we best meet those challenges. And no matter your industry, you're working with subject matter experts. And, and you know, I'm surrounded by PhDs and people who have invented terms, I mean, you know, acronyms used in manufacturing. Some of the people who invented those are peers. And Sure, I may be one person, but I'd be remiss if I don't talk to them and try to understand, hey, what are you hearing from the customers? And and it's not this formal process. It can just be an email, a phone call, a message on Slack. You know, it could be any way of communication, but just checking in and saying, what are you hearing? And you can start to put that in Excel or whatever and and aggregate the most popular responses. It doesn't have to be a formal process. And, And I think too often we stay in the marketing bubble and we don't venture outside of that bubble to talk to other people. But almost every time I've ever approached anyone in sales or customer support or services and said, Hey, you know, I'm trying to create content that will help us close deals. I'd love to understand some of the pain points and where you see opportunities. They perk up. They want to have that conversation. And that's how you turn everyone else into content practitioners. You help them understand you know, we can talk on the phone for 30 minutes and record that, and then I can go back and create it in written form. Or maybe we do a podcast. Like, we're talking on the phone right now, and this is a form of content. You'll turn that into a blog post, and then you'll share it on social media. It's the exact same approach, but there's this fear of the blinking cursor. And I think that's the laziness of many of us in our profession is to say, hey, Joe, I need you to write a blog post. Hey, Joe, I need you to write a white paper. And when you stare at a blank Word document or blank Google Doc, it's completely different than saying, I'd love to ask you some questions and really understand what you're encountering. So that, you know, journalistic approach, I think it turns everyone into content practitioners because they don't necessarily have to write it. And I think, I think to some degree, it's a culture shift in an organization too, though, to, because so many people have, you know, it's marketing, those marketing people are over there producing all the content. And and I think you hit on a very good point. I think there's a lot of people that would love to be asked because they, they actually do have better insight into the customer or better insight into the challenges of the customer. And, and so I, I think you're, you're almost doing a disservice to the organization by not including them. 
I completely agree. And, and the sad reality of marketing right now, I mean, the Fournays group did a study a couple of years ago, and 80% of CEOs aren't satisfied with their marketing teams. 80%. Huh. And, and when you think about that, what are the reasons? And when you dive into that, it's, it's usually tying it back to revenue or profitability or understanding the numbers. And, and for us to assume that we have the answers and we can you know, figure it out with Google search or Google trends, which sometimes the, those are indicators, but in many industries, they may not be as digitally savvy as marketing to marketers. So the, that may not be an accurate trend line. It may be people inside the walls and talking to them. So I, I completely agree with you. I mean, that's, it's a disservice not to talk to those folks, and it's not something that's hard to do in practice. It just requires picking up the phone or walking somewhere else in the office. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Leads. This is a tool that we use on the Duct Tape Marketing website uh, thoroughly for content upgrades, for slide-in boxes. Actually, we even use the visual editor for all the pages and landing pages that we design. So go check it out at uh, ducttapemarketing.com. We'll have a special link uh, in the show notes for today, and uh, check it out. So you mentioned answering questions is a great you know way to generate or get ideas for content. Um, I will tell you another uh, way that I've used uh, for years uh, with organizations is you know those engineering folks or sales folks or service folks um, probably are sitting on a treasure trove of content in their sent email. Yep. So you know again another great place to go <laughs> and uh, and find you know highly technical answers and and you know consultative, you know, approaches that uh, you probably can turn into thing and, and, and in many cases probably, re, you know, repeat themselves. That's exactly right. I mean, how many times have, have we sent emails and then you know you've sent it, but you can't find it? Yeah. <laughs> and you search and you search and you search and you can't find the exact one. Uh, one thing, you know, when I was at Compendium, which is the company Oracle acquired, we had a customer that was a, a large seller of tires online, which that narrows it down to two, really, I mean, so you could figure out which one, but they set up a system where they BCC'd every email, and it was specific to each sales rep, but it put it into the marketing platform, so in this case, it was Compendium, but it put, put it into a content marketing system where a marketing manager could strip out the personally identifying information and say, all right, instead of this saying, Dear John, here are the three best tires for your Honda Odyssey in the winter, they turn it into a blog post. Three best tires for Honda Odyssey in winter season or something like that. And then they go through and they add pictures and links to the store, and every link has trackable code that attributes it to the sales rep. So what actually happened there, those emails they were sending that died in their inbox, they turned into blog posts. And then the blog posts can get plugged into emails and marketing automation. And anytime someone clicked to buy, the rep got paid. Hmm. And that's a very simple cycle to create. So I, I'm with you. I think that's one of the single biggest opportunities because someone will say, oh, I can't write or I, I'm not a content person. And then you ask them, how many emails do you send a day? And I guarantee you they're sending tons of emails. So I, I completely agree with you there. I think that's a great thing to recommend to anyone. Another thing that that um, I again I you know I work with so many small business owners that getting them to, to to do this is really tough and so I try to come up with as many shortcuts as possible or ways for them to leverage what they've already done um, and so I've been I've been preaching this idea of planned repurposing so in other words you know if you're going to write if if you're going to you know you write one big uh, blog post about you know 
seven ways to do X, Y, Z. And then with the idea that all seven of those <laughs> will eventually become a blog post as well. Um, any thoughts on, you know, ways to get more efficient like that? Uh, I think that's a, a great way to do it. I mean, plan out the, the pillar piece and then the smaller pieces. And then, you know, another thing, how, most people don't go back and look at the content that's been created. Right. And there's always this assumption that everyone has seen it. Yeah. Because I, I hear this at every company I've ever been. Oh, we've used that. <laughs> you know, we use that in this campaign. Right. right. But what's your open rate? What's your click rate? Yeah. There's so many people that have never seen anything. Yeah, there's, there's no question. In fact, um, you know, another really great tactic if somebody's been producing content for years is to go back and, and re-optimize all of that. You know, update it, freshen it up, get rid of the bad links, change the images. Uh, it's another it's a great way to actually take a, a piece that, you know, maybe has been serving you for years and, and bring it back to new life. I completely agree. And we ran into this. So at Oracle, we, we combined social and content into one group. And it was a net new team. And the first year we created tons and tons and tons of content. And then the next year we came back and said, you know, we're creating 25% of the content we created last year. And there was an initial freak out, but we had a baseline. Right. We had analytics. We could track what was working and the waterfall approach through to leads. And we went back and updated lots of things and, and everything you said we did. And then you know, updating statistics and the introduction and the look and feel or the design or turning it into a different form factor. Take the blog post and make it an ebook or a slide share presentation. And, and that's something that it's just sitting there. And and I don't, I'm not necessarily sure why we do it. It it feels like it's when we default back to activities based marketing and not thinking about you know what are ways we could save time and energy, but. There's so much content that we could continue to use. If you've ever created content, you can go back and search for that. And something from 2014 is probably 80% accurate for 2017 with just a little bit of polish. So this idea of, you know, everybody's finally coming around to, I need to produce content. A lot of the folks that were out there, you know, leading the charge um, years ago are producing tons and tons of content. I mean, HubSpot's, you know, probably producing, you know, five new eBooks every week, it seems like, um, you know, are we at a point where people are just, it, it almost becomes worthless because there's so much of it. We can't consume it. We can't even filter it. Or, uh, where do you think we are with, with the state of content? I, I go back and forth on this and I know you've had Mark on the podcast, Mark Schaefer, yeah, and yeah. he coined the term content shock. And there are many elements of that that I agree with because there is an abundance of content, but there's not always an abundance of relevant content, especially tied to the buyer's journey, which you were talking about before. I mean, right. if someone is comparing products and they're at that last stage and comparing your marketing automation to another person's marketing automation or, or your jet engine to another jet engine, regardless of what it is, to throw your hands up and say, well, yeah, people have already created that content. I, I think that's another fallacy. It's something where if they want to know it, you will continue to research it. If you're buying a car, you don't get fed up and, and close your laptop and say, you know, I just can't read any more about Camry versus Accord. You want to read everything until you feel comfortable with that decision because everyone knows the stats too. So much of the buyer's process is done before you ever talk to anyone. Yeah. So no matter how much content gets created, there's always a need for relevant content. 
Let's end up today with, uh, you, I always like to talk to people about tools. What are some of your favorite tools for consuming, creating, tracking <laughs> content? You know, I, I'm, I've kind of turned into a curmudgeon a little bit with this because I, I guess Mark was right with the content shock. I, I've started to parse down, and surprisingly enough, I'm using LinkedIn and Facebook a lot more than I ever thought I would. And the reason for that is everyone's already curating the content. Yeah. If you build a decent network, I, I don't necessarily have to go outside and use tools and set up RSS readers and try to parse through content. If I'm surrounding myself with smart people, I can pull on what they're creating because many of them are much better than I am at that. And, you know, one example, well, obviously duct tape marketing. I mean, I've been following that for years, but look at what Scott Monty has done. You know, his weekly digest, I mean, it's gold. I, I don't think I could do that if I spent an hour or two hours a week trying to find the best content. So uh, it's the whole, uh, you know, the five people you spend the most time with, that profound impact it has, the Jim Rohn quote, but I, I know that that may be a cop-out answer, but Facebook has been a great tool for me because I surround myself with people that are much smarter than I am, and I defer to what they're curating. No, I think you're. I think you're actually uh, identifying a pretty significant trend. Um, I think a lot of people are. I think the the they're even. Uh, uh, some statistics that uh, suggest people are doing fewer and fewer searches uh, because of, you know, instead of turning to a search engine, they're going to Facebook or, or as you said, LinkedIn and just looking at the groups they belong to or the folks that they follow. And I, th I think that's probably uh, something we're going to see more and more of that, uh, that you know, I, I think Facebook groups have actually made Facebook, you know, more useful again. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, I, I, I watch TED Talks. I'm a sucker for those, and I, I know some of them are, are old and outdated, but that's something that I, I like to do, TED Talks and podcasts. I mean, that, that probably is the original source where I do go through and watch those. And I even watched an old Tony Robbins one, and there was a quote that's exactly what we're talking about. He said just casually, almost a throwaway line, the defining factor is never resources, it's resourcefulness. And, and I thought that was... <laughs> one of those aha moments where I paused the video and switched to that tab or whatever I was doing and wrote that down because I think no matter the size of the company or how much money we have or how many people we have, even with a $100 million budget, it's the execution that makes the difference. Yeah. So that resourcefulness and taking some of the tips that we've talked about today, that's what can really differentiate you regardless of what your company sells or does. So true. So, Chris, where uh, uh, would you suggest people who would like to engage uh, you or find out more about what you're doing, uh, where, we, where would you have them check you out? Sure. I, I'd probably say LinkedIn. Um, connect on LinkedIn or, or Facebook, either one. It's just Chris Moody. So LinkedIn.com slash N slash Chris Moody. I, I have a blog where I don't really blog frequently. That's Chris hyphen Moody. So if you want to go to Chris hyphen Moody.com and read about me being sued over a blog post, which is still the number one result for sued over a blog post. That's a pretty entertaining story. <laughs> well, great. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll actually put those links in the show notes as well. So Chris, thanks for okay, take, thanks. taking a moment to uh, share about content and content marketing. And uh, hopefully we'll run into you out there on the road soon. Thanks for having me, John.